epidemic proportions in America. I'm Dr. Paul Christo. This is Aches and Gains. Dr. Paul Christo is one of America's leading experts on relieving pain. He's board-certified, Harvard-trained, and a pain medicine specialist at Johns Hopkins. U.S. News & World Report ranks him as a top doctor and among the top 1% in the nation for pain management. He's listed as a super doctor for the Washington, D.C., Baltimore, Northern Virginia area. Aches and Gains is a weekly talk show covering all aspects of pain and pain relief. The human impact is real. Older adults, children, and even infants struggle to cope with pain. But there's hope and there are treatments that can ease pain and suffering. The show offers compelling stories about people who found relief. We share cutting-edge treatments from contributing experts, and we offer ways to help people cope with their pain. Welcome to Aches and Gains, and our third and final show on stomach cancer. Stomach cancer, or orgastric cancer, is one of the most malignant human cancers, ranking third as the most common cause of cancer death globally. East Asia has the highest incidence, and China in specific accounts for almost half of new cases of stomach cancer worldwide. If detected at an early stage, treatments can control and even cure the disease. Unfortunately, most of the time, stomach cancer is usually diagnosed beyond the early stage. But we've made exciting advances in treating advanced stomach cancer with targeted drugs that disrupt signaling pathways and destroy cancer cells. Not only that, but the immunotherapies have changed the landscape of gastric cancer treatments and are providing new hope for improvements in survival. On today's show, we'll hear from Dr. Sam Klempner, who joins us for part three. He's a specialist in oncology and hematology with a focus on gastric and esophageal cancers at Massachusetts General Hospital, Harvard Medical School. He'll talk about the relevance of biomarkers in stomach cancer, and then talk about metastatic disease, newer targeted therapies, and the immunotherapies. Aches and Gains is supported by Averitas Pharma, Daiichi Sankyo, and Heron Therapeutics. Dr. Sam Klempner specializes in treating gastric and esophageal cancers and conducts clinical trials and research on new targeted medications and immune therapies. Dr. Klempner, welcome back to Aches and Gains. Thank you. Thanks for having me. On our last show, we talked about common symptoms of gastric cancer, staging, surgery, and then we started talking about chemotherapeutic agents that are used. Uh, Sam, let's now talk about metastatic gastric cancer and biomarkers. Which ones do you look for? Those are um, the standard biomarkers, HER2, pdl one MSI. And the reason that they are standard is because they are linked to therapies that are known to improve the survival of those patients. Right. For example, HER2 um, is a gene um, that is amplified um, in about 15 or 20% of gastric cancers mm -hmm. also can be tested for by, by protein expression on the surface of tumor cells. Yeah. And that's linked to a targeted biologic therapy that, that binds to that protein and has been shown to improve the survival in patients with that uh, molecular alteration. Okay, and how about MSI? That stands for microsatellite instability. MSI is a defect in the ability of DNA to repair what are called small mismatches and also called mismatch repair deficiency. In stage four patients, it's seen in like three to 5% of the population. In stage one through three patients, it, it may be as high as 10 to 20% of patients. Hmm. And basically these tumors accumulate thousands of mutations and they look more foreign to the immune system. And so this alteration is tightly linked to the benefit from immunotherapies like 
um, anti-PD-1 agents. Okay, and finally, how about PDL one That stands for Programmed Death Ligand 1, which is a protein on tumor cells. PDL one um, is a protein that's often expressed on the surface of tumor cells, um, but also on the surface of immune cells. Mm-hmm. And this is a sort of a negative regulator of the immune response. It turns down or exhausts the T cells that would normally be responsible for helping to eliminate tumor cells. Right. And so if you have a drug that blocks the PDL1 inhibition or sort of some people have made the analogy of cutting the brakes, <laughs> then you sort of unleash the immune system. So tumors that have high PDL1 expression also derive benefit from the addition of immunotherapy on top of chemotherapy. Okay, excellent explanations. Let's now delve into advanced gastric cancer. What's the strategy for that? So our our general approach um, is someone comes in, unfortunately they get diagnosed with stage four gastric cancer. First we assess, are they well enough to tolerate therapy at all? Because unfortunately some patients are just um, too frail to tolerate any of our therapies. Mm More and more, that's rare, um, but sometimes it still happens. And so the next step is to assess the biomarkers because that guides our treatment choices. And we do that by protein testing and also DNA sequencing. And then if we have one of the targets, then the standard has generally been um, chemotherapy. Um, chemotherapy is combined with a biologic target for her two patients or for pdl one positive patients. Mm-hmm. And then in the MSI high patients, they actually do well enough with immune therapy alone that they, they are the one group of patients who probably don't need any chemotherapy. Oh, wow, terrific. Now, Sam, for those who have advanced gastric cancer but don't have the biomarkers, HER2 or pdl one what do they get? There's still a large portion of patients who are HER2 negative and PDL1 negative, and they can still do quite well, but um, chemotherapy alone, the most common combination is something called Folfox, F-O-L-F-O-X. Mm-hmm. It's an every two-week chemotherapy. So is Folfox used for those patients who are PDL1 positive and HER2 positive? Yeah, that, that's the most common backbone, and it's just in those patients we're combining it with either an immune therapy or a targeted therapy. Okay, well, with these chemotherapeutic agents and the biologic therapies, what is the survival for advanced gastric cancer? The survival for stage four gastric cancer is slowly we're making progress, mm-hmm. and it's probably depending on the trials that you look at and, and region of the world. It's somewhere between 12 and 18 months. Yeah, I mean, it's short, but compared to no treatment at all, which is called supportive care alone, survival is only around three to four months. Let's delve into HER2-positive cancers. What biologic therapies, also known as targeted therapies, are used? If you're a HER2-positive stage 4 patient, which is around 20% of gastric cancer patients, uh, we have additional therapies for, for that population. So they get... Folfox, the same chemotherapy that someone who's HER2 negative would get. And mm-hmm. then we add a biologic therapy against the HER2, which is called trastuzumab. And most recently, on top of that, we now add an immune therapy called pembrolizumab. So it's a triplet combination of chemotherapy, targeted therapy, plus immune therapy. And that is a very active combination where about 75% of people will respond and have a nice Uh, shrinkage in the tumor. Well, that's terrific. I mean, 75% response rate is excellent. Can you talk to us about how trastuzumab, the brand name for that is Herceptin, works? 
when you have too much HER2 protein, you have a signals um, that are essentially telling the cancer cell to grow. And so blocking the pathway reduces the, the signaling to tell the growth. But importantly, um, the trastuzumab itself, when it binds to the HER2, it also probably recruits um, local immune cells. I didn't know that, that it enhanced the immune system, though. That's new information. It not only then enhances the immune system, but it inhibits tumor cell survival and proliferation. What are the main side effects of trastuzumab? Trastuzumab is a very well-tolerated monoclonal antibody, so it's not a chemotherapy. And there are some fatigue. There is sometimes some GI effects, rarely diarrhea. There is a, a rare um, effect of what's called a cardiomyopathy, so the, the squeezing function of the heart mm-hmm. sometimes decrease on an echocardiogram. Most patients are completely asymptomatic from this, and it often will resolve on its own. I'd say it's it's very uncommon that we encounter that, but overall... Well, how about survival? I mean, is it any better if the cancer is HER2 positive? Yes, and this is basically a paradigm that's true for much of oncology. If if we have a target that reflects a biology in the cancer and we have a drug that can effectively hit that target, then those patients generally have better survivals. And so if you add trastuzumab on top of chemotherapy compared to someone who got chemotherapy without trastuzumab, the survival is better with the Well, that's good to know. Now, how much better, though, is survival? You know, sadly, it's in the, like, three-month range. There's a big trial that's ongoing that we're waiting to see the results that hopefully will improve upon that. Um, but well, I hope it is we, very positive. We don't know yet. We're waiting to see. Sam, there are new targeted therapies that block the HER2 receptor. Uh, the main one is called trastuzumab deruxtecan, also called NHER2. Talk to us about that particular drug. Yes, trastuzumab deruxtecan, or often shorthand called TDXD, mm-hmm. is what's called an antibody drug conjugate. So it's a very clever way of doing two things. So it's essentially trastuzumab, the, the anti-HER2 antibody, and then linked to the antibody is um, a cytotoxic drug, derextecan, which is a topoisomerase inhibitor that's very similar to okay. irenotecan in terms of mechanism of action. Some people have likened it to a smart bomb. You're really carefully delivering this targeted antibody that's loaded with a essentially a chemotherapy right to the level of the tumor in a high concentration. And that has been shown in actual multiple tumor types now, breast cancer, lung cancer, and gastric cancer, and others to be a highly effective therapy. It was approved for, for stomach cancer for people that have already seen trastuzumab. So that would be the second line and later population um, based on a couple trials where they, they showed really impressive You mentioned that this drug is a topoisomerase inhibitor. That essentially means that it prevents the DNA from uncoiling and replicating and thereby leads to DNA damage and cell death. Sam, I read a study that indicated that uh, there was a higher response rate and significantly longer median overall survival compared to chemotherapy with this particular drug. Correct. So you're referring to the Destiny Gastric one trial, which was a New England Journal paper uh, from a colleague and friend um, in Japan, Dr. Kohei Shitara. And they basically compared in HER2-positive patients um, trastuzumab deruxtecan against 
the the oncologist's choice of chemotherapy, and they had a few choices. And as you said, it was the response rate was substantially better, uh, a little above 40% was the response rate compared to like, you know, mm-hmm. 10%, 15% for chemotherapy. And the survival was improved as well. And there has now been a similar study in, in what is called Western population, um, primarily European, that has essentially shown a Roughly now, similar, based it wasn't on the results of that trial. Destiny Gastric Owen trial, what kind of survival benefit did they find? Um, in some of the patients, the, the median survival there was actually like a year compared to, I think, mm-hmm. in the four to six well, months. And the break range, is so here. When we return, we'll talk to Dr. Klempner about the side effects that are associated with trastuzumab deruxtecan. I'm Dr. Paul Christo, and you're listening to Aches and Gains. Eggs and Gains is supported by Adveritas Pharma, leading the U.S. in non-opioid pain management for certain pain conditions, while continuously seeking to deliver innovations for patients to improve patient outcomes. Visit us at A-V-E-R-I-T-A-S-Pharma.com, an educational grant from Daiichi Sankyo. For cutting-edge treatments and resources, Follow Dr. Paul Christo on Twitter at Dr. Paul Christo and like Aches and Gains with Dr. Dr. Sam Paul Klipner, Christo on Facebook. He is a hematologist oncologist from Massachusetts General Hospital and specializes in gastric and esophageal cancers. Sam, talk to us about the side effect profile associated with trastuzumab deruxtecan, also known as Inhertu. It's definitely a drug that has a little bit more of a side effect profile than trastuzumab. It's Mm -hmm. an intravenous drug that's given every three weeks. Additional side effects beyond trastuzumab primarily come from the fact that it's loaded with essentially a chemotherapy drug. So there are some more chemotherapy-like side effects, um, including lowering of blood counts, anemia, a little more fatigue than you'd get with trastuzumab alone, some GI effects, looser stools, sometimes diarrhea. And then there is this relatively uncommon side effect, but can be serious, Mm -hmm. which is called interstitial lung disease. Um, And this is seen in anywhere from like 4 to 10% of patients, depending on the trial, um, and rarely can be... Due to the positive um, effects of this particular drug, do you feel like we might use this earlier on in metastatic gastric cancer? Yes, it's a very good question. So right now, it, it, it is approved as a single agent for second-line or later populations. There's a, there's several ongoing trials that are looking to move it earlier into the disease because it shows such mm-hmm. good activity in the later-line population. So trying to move it up front as a drug that we might right. use right off the bat, um, not only as monotherapy, but also there's interest in combining with chemotherapy. Okay, well, that sounds encouraging. To try to make it work what about better. tumor cells that have a different receptor on them called VEGF, that is vascular endothelial growth factor receptor 2? VEGF is a signaling pathway, you know, that promotes blood vessel formation and angiogenesis, and this is known mm-hmm. to be upregulated in a lot of gastric cancers. It's not actually something we test for directly, um, but there are drugs approved that inhibit VEGF receptors, particularly VEGF-R2, 
but we don't have a routine test that we look for and say, hey, this is a veg. And I think there's a drug called ramucirumab, also known as Ceramza, that binds to this particular VEGF receptor to prevent the growth of new blood vessels that tumors need to grow. Correct, exactly. After our chemotherapies have, have failed in the frontline population, it's, again, a very well-tolerated drug. Okay, so this is used as second-line therapy, then, after chemotherapy has failed. Take us down the path of the immunotherapy medications. These are also known as the immune checkpoint inhibitors. Originally, the work uh, in gastric cancer and the approval was in the later-line population. In the United States, immunotherapies are no longer approved um, in the later-line setting outside of the MSI high population. They've been replaced by use in the earlier line setting. So now, which has been probably the most exciting recent development for stomach cancer, is that we now know that combining immune therapy with chemotherapy right in the beginning of stage four treatment has been shown to improve survival. And that was a Okay, these are immunotherapies and they're drugs called uh, nivolumab, pembrolizumab, for example. What these immune checkpoint inhibitors do is that they block the binding of the protein called PDL1, which is on the surface of a tumor cell, from binding to its receptor on the immune cell. When it does this, it activates or reactivates the immune system that allows it to destroy the cancer cells. You'll want to stay tuned because after the break, we'll find out just how effective these immunotherapies are and how many side effects they have. I'm Dr. Paul Christo, and you're listening to Aches and Gains. Aches and Gains is supported by Perrin Therapeutics, whose mission is to improve the lives of patients by developing best-in-class medicines that address unmet medical needs. They aim to advance the standard of care for patients through therapies that bring together science and technologies with well-known pharmacology Welcome back. We're here with to Dr. deliver Sam medicines Klepner, that matter. who's a hematologist-oncologist specializing in gastric cancer. Sam, tell us about these immunotherapies. What's your experience? How effective are they? And do they prolong survival? This is where the data gets kind of interesting. And it's pretty clear that if you have a high pdl one expression, and you add a PD-1 drug on top of chemotherapy, you improve the survival. And the the ranges are probably in the Mm -hmm. three-month kind of range from what we've seen. But at the very high end of PD-L1 expression, it actually can be longer than that. And there are some patients, often they call the tail of the curve, that actually live um, for years because of this approach. Inflammation in, in any organ is, is fair game. Sometimes there, there can be pain. For example, you can get a immune-related pancreatitis that feels just like pancreatitis. That's very rare, and the drugs then sell. And they don't cause the chronic pain either. The drug doesn't cause uh, Sam, pain. when patients have pain from gastric cancer, how is it treated? When the cancer spreads, there are multiple locations that that can cause pain. We we do see bony metastases, which can be quite painful and often do require Mm -hmm. opioids and sometimes steroids as well. You know, lymph node involvement that can cause pressure on other organs that can cause pain. Liver involvement where we have like a capsular stretch that is a a kind of pain. I would say there's a substantial portion of patients who um, will use opioids. Now, Sam, I read about the development of cancer vaccines that stimulate the immune system to kill cancer cells. Are we going to see those available for stomach cancer? 
unfortunately, I think we're a little ways away, but, but yes, there's a lot of interesting approaches in sort of the, the cell therapy world where we're actually sometimes doing vaccines, sometimes actually reprogramming our own mm-hmm. immune cells and then giving them back to patients. Um, to try to directly stimulate immune responses. Very. It's really what new therapies are on the horizon? Sure. One is something called Claudin 18.2, and this is a surface protein that's expressed in like around 30 to 35% mm-hmm. of gastric cancers and at a high level. And there's a drug that binds that surface protein that's currently being combined with chemotherapy, and that is a very large phase three trial um, called Spotlight, and there's another trial called GLOW. The second target that's also in a phase three trial is something called FGFR2, and this is another target that's seen in up to 30% of patients. Um, It has another antibody that that binds to this surface protein and stimulates both immune response but also a targeted response, kind of like trastuzumab, and that's also in phase three development. Then there are multiple other targets that are earlier on in development like EGFR and MET and some of these other surface proteins like trope 2 um, but there's Have just, the treatments for stomach cancer provided a good quality yet. of life for patients or do you feel like the side effects limit quality of life? When we have therapies that, that reduce the amount of tumor, patients generally do feel better. Um, their pain decreases, their nausea goes away, they eat better and their quality of life usually improves in that setting. Of course, that has to be balanced against the direct side effects of our therapies, primarily chemotherapy. Um, so we're, we're always trying to walk that line of having good tumor response, prolonging survival, mm-hmm. but also making the time good, quality time, sort of where the, the science and the art of medicine intersect, in, in my opinion. Most That's good of the to know. That translates Are to the chemotherapeutic agents, the new targeted therapies, the immunotherapies expensive, and, and does insurance cover them? These drugs that are approved by the FDA for, for these indications are generally covered by insurances. They are quite expensive drugs themselves, and unfortunately, that's the reality of, of our world. I wish that it, it wasn't, but for the vast majority of patients, we can mm-hmm. get approved agents covered by insurance, especially drugs that are known okay. to improve the survival of, of patients. But certainly the new drugs that are not approved um, are very hard to get access to. Um, that's and right. Really that's and finally, trials, is there uh, a hope for patients with gastric cancer? Yes, definitely. I, I'm, yeah, I'm definitely on the optimist side of the world. And even in my own career, which is, you know, 10 years or so, the survival for gastric cancer has improved both for non-metastatic patients, but also for metastatic patients. And really, the more that we get people and patients and everyone excited about mm-hmm. research to really understand the disease better, um, that translates to better therapies and better survival. So these biomarkers we were just discussing, like Claudin and FGFR2, I think we're all excited to uh, by the idea that this might prolong survival for that patient population. So, yes, I'm very hopeful, and I think um, in the next, you know, three to five years is going to be an exciting time for gastric and esophageal cancers as we see some of these targeted therapies and new immune therapies sort of 
I'm very, very glad to hear that. And Dr. Klempner, thank you for raising our hopes that future therapies like the targeted therapies, the immunotherapies, and even certain chemotherapies will make this cancer less lethal and lead to fewer deaths globally. We really appreciate your expertise and guidance. I'm Dr. Paul Christo, and you're listening to Aches and Gains. The views and opinions expressed in this radio program are solely the views of Dr. Paul Christo and do not necessarily express the views of this radio station and Johns Hopkins University School of Medicine, nor an endorsement by any or all of them of any of its content. This show provides medical information, not advice. Please consult your personal physician before engaging in any course of treatment or use of any of the techniques or products discussed on this show. Discussion of particular uses of products on this show have not been approved by any of the manufacturers of such products. To access podcasts of the show, please go to paulchristomd.com. That's paulchristomd.com. Aches and Gains is produced by Ty Ford. Dr. Paul Christo is the executive producer. Thanks for listening. This is Aches and Gains with Dr. Paul Christo.